Good news, everyone. <laughs> you have been hearing an ad for a while now saying if we pumped up our Patreon to $500 a month, we would give you a whole bonus show. And you did it like a while ago. And I just haven't changed the ad. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> consider this an update. Congrats. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm replacing that ad with this one. And this one is just a little clip show to get your whistle wet for this month's extra bonus episode of uh, Mama Tried. And that'll come out as soon as we get $1,000. That'll come out as soon Yeah, we're holding <laughs> this one hostage. Nah, 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 nah. But I did want to remind y'all, if we do hit 750, our goal is to release two episodes of that a month. But without any further ado, mm-hmm. here's a couple of clips. Get hyped. Gunvar is going to watch Martin go investigate the door and yeah. think to himself, that motherfucker is going to get attacked by a ghost and I'm going to get blamed for that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Did I... What did I... What did I do? And with glee, he's like, yes, one more. <laughs> and he starts scuffing it out and he saves like one last little bit. And then he uh, jumps ass first onto it and erases <laughs> it with a butt. He's looking straight ahead, but it, it, and it would be difficult for you to know if he is just looking straight ahead, watching where he's going, looking straight ahead, like avoiding your gaze because he feels awkward about what he's going to say, looking straight ahead because there's Gunvar's fucking back. <laughs> you wake to the feel of sunlight warming your face. Oh, God. Oh, oh so bright. As a well-known sense of aching dread rolls from your temples to your stiffened limbs. Don't say it's my mom. Familiar. I'm not my mother's child. I can handle it. I had too much. Cheerio. This is uh, Star Daddy UK, as you can tell from the accent. <laughs> Welcome to Astronomica. Sounds more Welsh. Yeah. 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 How do you spell Astronomica in Welsh? Uh, <laughs> the answer is very, very careful. Oh, dear. <laughs> no. We're a Stars Without Number podcast, believe it or not. And I'm here with my crew of the SS Admiral Grace to my left. It's me, Jeff, the Admiral Grace. Uh, I play Grace the the starship, who is a VI inhabited by a fragment of a rogue AI, and also inhabited by the rest of this girlish crew. And I also play Hopper, a an autonomous medbot. I am Kristen. I play Hildegard Hypatiacate, Doctor of Linguistics. And uh, I definitely did not just think to myself, okay, which direction is left of Star Daddy, so I know when I need to talk. Proving that my character is a lot smarter than I am. Hi, I'm Cullen. I play Anton. He's the... I don't know. He's 
He's the one that usually gets us into trouble. That's <laughs> the grab bag. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> but, that's my role. But well, also is the one that feels bad about it after. Yeah. So he's got that uh, going. I, I play Anton. I'm the one with morals. I mean, you are the chief scapegoat officer. Certainly. And no one else has been promoted, so it is your fault. Yes. Anton, you have been promoted to chief self-identity ambivalency officer. <laughs> <laughs> Anton's magic card is the one that when you're in seventh grade, nobody has the instruction manual, has an ability, nobody knows what it is. <laughs> and you just, uh, everybody makes it up. Anton's the cook, but it's the Steven Seagal cook from. Uh, oh yeah, what's his name? Under Siege. Yeah, there you yep. go. That's right, yep, but yep, but yep. the train one, definitely oh. the train one. Under you know, Siege. I never two. saw that one. It's the same character. Yeah. It's, this it's is the same. This is Astronomica Steven Seagal fan cast. <laughs> oh God, no, no, <laughs> no, no! Congrats, we're all moving to Russia. <laughs> Hope y'all motherfuckers like dancing. <laughs> I mean, I've seen videos of Steven Seagal doing like traditional Russian dancing. It's oh. it's very funny. You know, you know he lived here for a, a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I've yeah, heard no. stories. And he did a he did a singer songwriter night at Shangri La that I will forever, oh my god, ever ever kick myself right in my own ass for not attending. Oh. Yeah. I will. I'll say that I used to be a limo driver, but I drove for Steven Seagal. I drove for Steven Seagal's wife. And I drove for Steven Seagal's mistress. Oh, cool! And I drove for Steven uh, Steven Seagal's dog ball washer, dog, <laughs> which ball is a professional washer. dog care person who would wash off his dog's balls after it. Shit. Can I ask a very important oh. question? Hmm. There's two ways that could go. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? It's the balls. It's the balls. <laughs> oh, okay. It's the, well, that it's clears the balls, it up. The first balls you thought of. <laughs> it's yeah. the, the bad way. I don't, it's, I don't he know. Didn't want, I he want didn't to want admit. to take off his dog's balls. Okay. But he also didn't want the balls to have shit on them. Oh, <laughs> Man. God, that's yeah. a hell of a job. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Steven Seagal, everyone. Uh, hello, I'm Steven Seagal. <laughs> I'm, uh, Wait, you gotta... The, the I am uh, Steven Seagal. Shut up or I'll snap your neck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting in for Colin this week, who normally plays Mackie, the ship engineer slash kind of captain for like legalistic purposes you're like the legal scapegoat yeah, I'm, whereas i'm, like, I'm, I'm, like I'm the more practical scapegoat legal beard for the fact that the ship owns yeah. itself yeah i'd be shocked if this was the first time that mackie was someone's legal beard <laughs> mackie likes to think of himself as more of a outlaw beard oh, okay okay <laughs> you know, well like a, uh, mackie likes to think of himself as a lot of things but i mean he can't remember his last name and he so. can't remember them from day to day so yeah it's, it just really doesn't matter we're really sensitive to the subject of senility and uh, <laughs> I want war to make crimes clear. and yeah. whether computers are thinking beings. All important questions. Mackie's general befuddledness is not because he's older. M- Mr. Seagal, as you're speaking, your yeah. ponytail is, is, is whipping me in the eye. Can you, <laughs> we, we need to social distance. Just, just unclip it. <laughs> Since this is a... <laughs> this oh, is a, uh, an audio format. I'm going to have to tell the audience. Uh, I, Steven Seagal, just snapped Cullen's neck. <laughs> so you won't, you won't be hearing from him anymore. Yeah. Um, we have to be careful because we're in an RV, so it's a perfect setting for Under Siege <laughs> yeah. 3. Oh, yeah. okay. Under Siege 3 podcasters are making fun of me. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we got to oh. watch out for any noises in the bushes tonight. Yeah, actually, wait, what is that? Oh, shit, <laughs> I think you have to watch out for any like non noises in the bushes. Any silent oh. bushes. He snapped my neck the other way. I'm fine now. 
<laughs> she'd feel great though. But I want to make clear that Mackie's general befuddledness is not senility. It's that he has had his brain scrambled and re-scrambled by his best friend. So I, mean, I was going to say remastered, yeah. remastered a number yeah. of times, but there are artifacts and certain things. In I prefer to think of it as optimizing for greater efficiency. Definitely not senility or ageism. No, we want to make that clear. <laughs> this is all sci-fi stuff. Previously on astronaut. <clears throat> Previously on Astronomica. Anton proves to be completely unsuited to the role of senior zipline prevention officer as Mackie once more manages to sneak his way onto a zipline. However, he redeems himself and shows that he is a really cool guy by doing a lot of drugs and getting a big gun. The station is rocked as one of the drones explodes, taking out one of the orbital stabilizers and necessitating an evacuation sometime within the next 15 years. Hildy improves the odds of survival considerably by taking strident control of the evacuation and defense efforts. Mackie's mall walker lady friend appears above as though the upper tier of the food court next to the Sabaro were the east and she were the sun. I just thought of that metaphor on my own just now. Hopper becomes Mackie's stalwart shield, his aegis, his safe harbor amid the tribulating... Please pause for metaphor intensity adjustment. Hopper protects Mackie, and Grace drives the KCS Trailblazer out of the dome, which is good, where it hits the dome generating station and explodes, which is bad. This necessitates a bit more urgent schedule of evacuation, as the air containment system will become a vacuum introduction system in short order. Anton reveals that he is suffering from what humans refer to as a conscience, and even worse, it seems to be contagious, inflicting Hildy and Mackie as well, merely because some people showed up looking like they had been flayed by being near a sand thrower fired in atmosphere, and Grace coincidentally recently fired a sand thrower in atmosphere around a throng of people. Mackie's romance reaches its turgid peak as he and Janelle Cornish, FKA Hot Mall Walker, exchange names. She forgoes passage on the grace in order to save her dog, which would normally signify an overabundance of sentiment. But for some reason, I cannot fault her decision to threaten her own safety in the service of the life of a less sophisticated inferior organism. Grace lands, and Hildy takes command of the PMC forces and directs Sergeant Hannah Shank to load refugees from the plaza in good order. In all, delivering 210 people from the harsh, pitiless encroachment of space into the warm comfort of the grace. The ship takes off and receives a message of support from legendary spokesman Nolan Ryan P. Jr., who is so handsome and charismatic and makes me yearn for lungs that I might know the rich, warm, flavorful taste of a relic. All right, you guys are leaving Apogee Station in your uh, rearview mirror, so to speak, a smoking, wobbly wreck. There are evacuation processes going on right now. There are a few ships in orbit. You can pick up on your system's scanners a number of ships approaching from elsewhere in the system. You are all forcing your way kind of through the crowd in your cargo bay, collecting yourselves, still uh, breathing heavily from the excitement. I will hand it over to whoever wants to take the lead on that. Please clear the way for Captain Mackey. The way will be clear for Captain Mackey. <laughs> uh, is this Hopper, or once the ship took off, did Hopper, like, go catatonic? Actually, in this rare instance, fighting down the internal discomfort that it causes, this is coming from both the speaker's and Hopper's mouth simultaneously, slightly. Very good, yes. Uh, welcome aboard 
all of you people. Oh, Hopper leans his head over right in front of your mouth, and then your voice starts coming out of the speaker. <laughs> oh. Creepy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We have successfully disembarked from Apogee Station. We are bound for the nearest celestial body on which we can deposit all the Asari carcasses, which I believe will be Glazer 4. I haven't done the astrogation yet, but I believe it's going to be a trip of two days, so we're going to just have to make the best of it. Do any of you have any questions? A man steps up. He seems to have been kind of uh, gathering people around before you walk past. He comes up and extends a hand and uh, introduces himself. He says, I'm Gulen. I am uh, an executive for the Apogee Aerospace, and uh, I am played by Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> ah, foreshadowing. I can tell from the voice. Yeah, thanks. He's a cool guy. And we want to thank you for your assistance in this matter. I assure you it was no more than our duty, sir. Uh, Welcome aboard. I say with full knowledge that there isn't. If there is anything I can do to make your uh, brief sojourn with us more comfortable, I do hope that you will let me or he reaches over and, like, grabs Hildy and Anton (laughs) by their jackets from off screen and, like, pulls them in the frame. We will do anything in our power to make you, and truthfully, all of you, as comfortable as we can. Try to remain calm. We're going to get you all as situated as we possibly can. Mr. Uh, what was your name again? Gulin. Mr. Gulin, yes. One of the things that we will have to sort out relatively quickly will be the rations. It would be very helpful if you might be able to start finding out who might have managed to bring additional rations on board. We generally only stock as much as is necessary for our current crew. Mr. Anton here would have more information in that regard. Oh, yeah, I mean, there are only four of us. Only three of us eat. So, I mean, I got like four or five giant peanut butter jars. (laughs) In game, mechanically, we should have like three months of rations for four people. So we have 48 hours worth of food. Yeah, but they don't need to know. Our rations? (laughs) That's your beans, man. If they brought food with them, then we should have them eat that first. (laughs) We should institute some system of valuing each individual's need uh, so that those... We, should, we could call it the free market. <laughs> Surely it would be unassailable by graft or corruption. I personally am only in favor of a free market if it is a free market of ideas, yes. No, those are inevitably <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> I would like for everyone to be as comfortable as possible. However, if you go in the freezer and you touch my corn dogs, you will be met with violence. <laughs> Just don't, don't touch my fucking corn dogs. Oh, oh, he's kidding. He's kidding. <laughs> I can assure you, he is not kidding. Uh, everyone, we're going to get you situated. We're going to have some place for you to be. There are two things that are off limits. Three things. One is the operations platform. Two is uh, Anton's freezer. And three is a room with a little sign on the door that says the sadness room. Other than that, You will uh, feel free to explore your space. And uh, he turns to the three of you guys. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should get up to operations and do all of the ship flying thing that I can. Uh, There's some things I want to look into. Can you guys help uh, all of these people get situated? Yeah. um, If there are any among you who require medical attention, we can begin the triage process now. We have limited medical facilities for a crowd of this size. Please step to one side if you require medical assistance. I believe you, uh, your med beds are already 
filled actually oh, with yeah. the sandblasted people. Yeah. I am a fully functional medbot. Mahim, before you uh, run off, or maybe we'll just follow you up there. I feel like we probably have some things that the crew needs to discuss. I agree. Yes. I think uh, I, I know what you're getting at. I'm gonna uh, lean in, so hopefully no one else can hear me. But I'm like, and I want to say that this is all our fault in front of all of these people. But is this not all our fault? No, I think we established with the destruction of the initial obelisk that it is your fault. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you were a chief good officer. That makes me feel a whole lot better. Really no one has been promoted that. in your place. Okay. Well, it is a weighty responsibility, but you bear it well, Anton. Hey, you know, the crushing weight of guilt is something that I've lived with for quite some time. So. I believe that, Mr. Anton, you are correct, and I suspect that we could deputize this Mr. Julian here, perhaps to start getting some sort of order with these people. Yeah, go guy, you just take care of it. We gotta go deal with uh, some Papa, shit. Since we can also talk to you in the form of the ship, how, maybe you can stay here in your corporeal person and assist Mr. Goulin with getting these people someplace they ought to be. As you command, Mackie. All right. Actually, okay. I was um, I was hoping that I could have access to your communication system so that I can coordinate with Apogee to see about supporting you guys. I will field that request, if you do not mind, Hopper. I do not. You are a comms officer. Yes. Mr. Gulum, if you will come with me, please. And she will walk him towards the nearest... Um, Airlock and push him. <laughs> yeah, the nearest... What I want to do is I want to take him to... Basically, if we've got a display a la Star Trek of, like, the on-the-wall thing. So I'd like to take him over there. Is there one that's in the cargo bay, or do we need to go elsewhere? Oh, uh, sure. I'm okay, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, I'll take him over there. If you will please stand to the side, I will fix this so that it is ready for you and that you have access to the systems you shall need. Thank you. And after I tell him that, I'm going to try and make sure that he's not looking over my shoulder too much. But what I would like to do is I would like to fix this particular portal so that he has access to communications, specifically to the Apogee Station Array, Mm -hmm. and lock this in terms of permissions to the rest of the ship. Okay. So basically, I want to make it so that he can just do what he said he wanted to do. Okay, cool. Go ahead and give me a, just in case I need it later, give me a program check. Okay, cool. And I don't think it would actually be what we would look at, though, but maybe. If uh, Grace can kind of feel what you're doing there, she would like to assist you also. Okay, excellent, yeah. If I can, under my, I don't know how close he's standing to me in terms of overhearing me, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a good point. I feel at this well, point, if there's a way to under my breath, hey, here's, you know. As soon as you start accessing the, uh, you know, the system configuration menu, like a little thing pops up. It seems it's like, like you're trying to lock out an untrustworthy corporate scumbag. <laughs> Would you like assistance? Uh, I'm, I'm coat hangery. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she will, she will type into the, <laughs> to, to the <laughs> oh, also, um, last time we suited up, so you can probably communicate through your internal headset. That's true, like that. that's true. But yeah, I'll definitely, if Grace can get in on that, we'll let her know. That's what's up. Oh, nice. Okay. I got a nine on the die, plus two for a total of 11. Okay. And that's an eight for me for the assist. Cool. Not that I don't trust this guy or anything. Mm-hmm. Billy Zane's just such a, you know, he's got one of those faces. When does he ever play a bad guy? Just trust this guy. I mean, look, it could 
might be Giancarlo Esposito. Could have been Jean-Claude Van Damme. If it was oh. Giancarlo Esposito, who are we kidding? We would have just turned control of the ship over to him and become <laughs> his crew. <laughs> like, look, we, we see where this is going. Just We're going to lean into it. We don't want the trouble. It's fine. You're the boss now. Ordinarily, I would fight such a move, but I respect his ruthless efficiency. <laughs> and, you know, damn good fried chicken. <laughs> he spends three whole episodes just silently rearranging papers on a desk and it's the most compelling episode <laughs> so yeah I'll do that and then I will join everybody else on the bridge I guess okay Mackie uh, you know he's loping towards the ops he, he wants to get there quickly and when he does he wants to look at the displays and see generally what is the traffic that is leaving Apogee Station doing Okay, so there are a number of independently owned ships that were there refueling, and they are kind of scattering to the winds. There are a number of Apogee escort ships, luxury system ships and that sort of thing, for uh, showing off to customers Apogee's technology, basically. Okay. And those are all heavily laden with people, and they are heading into the outer system. Okay. The outer system is also the direction in which we are heading, if we're heading for uh, Laser 4. Yeah. All right. So, I guess that I'm going to do a, I don't know if this would be like a notice or a program check, but he wants to see if anything pings on his internal spidey sense as hostile or suspicious. Okay. Let's see. Let me look up the sensor rules again real quick. Okay. Let's do this by the book. Is spidey sense a foci that you chose? Spidey sense is not <laughs> an offered foci in the Stars Without Number uh, role-playing system. Actually... Something reminded me that we might want to do a round of did we meet our goals? Because it's mm-hmm. been a minute, and I definitely have met my most recent goal. Okay. I don't. That sounds good. We'll do that in just a second. Let me cool. remember my goals. <laughs> you don't remember what your goals I, I know. I know one of them was like. Some written down over here. Yeah, one of them was like figure out what happened to Cho, which we didn't definitely haven't done. I think that was my longer term one. All right, you can give me an intelligence program skill check. All right. So I hit eight. Okay. Um, I did not beat it. If it's metered or beat it, I got it. All right. You scan several ships with the Apogee call sign, and some of the larger, faster, and probably better ships are not hauling many people as they leave the station. Interesting. That suggests to Mackie probably just typical corporate selfishness and nothing more. Can he cast his eyes out to the edge of the system? I mean, you can, but it's just a black field. I'm <laughs> sorry, with the sensors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just put his eyes? Yeah. But you were, like, going up to the windshield. I just want to make sure that are weird vessels arriving. Yeah, you don't detect anything like that. Okay. Um, there's a lot of comms traffic. Different corporations talking to each other via lawyers about <laughs> liability in the case that they pick up somebody else's employees and all that kind of stuff. It's a big mess. All right, so he goes to the Opstex comm panel and sort of patches into the ship feed. All right, uh, everybody, things appear to be quiet for the moment. I will await all of your pleasure on the Ops deck. You can find me here. And he signs out. Since Mackie loped, Anton's going to skip. To, um, <laughs> to the bridge. Seems inappropriate, but okay. <laughs> Hildegard will bunny hop, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And I, 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 no, she I, will not. I'm not have a potato sack race. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, actually, uh, Hildegard and Anton are doing a, um, a three-legged sack race. Oh, together. yeah, yeah, definitely three-legged. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little LED snail at the bottom of one of the hallways. It's just inching along millimeter by millimeter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to walk like a normal person, I suppose. Okay. You successfully walk. <laughs> Give me an exert. Oh, yeah, let's talk about those. Yeah. <laughs> I chose my goals poorly this go round. <laughs> I set my goal as a very low bar, to be perfectly honest, for my last goal, which was to acquire a drone. And while I have not yet sat down with the drone to make it usable, I do in fact have a drone in my possession. So I believe I have met that goal. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Any goal that can be solved with a trip to, like, Brookstone. Well, drones can be pretty expensive. She could technically <laughs> pass that by. I was just joking. Getting a $5 drone at the gas station. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I did ask if it was okay if I had that goal and I set that goal. Yeah, so I don't feel fine. too bad about it. Well, I mean, I think it's a captured perfectly from Colin. There's nothing in the rules that say you can't be Show a cheap me. little bitch. I mean, Get I was going to say, what was your, I feel like your first goal was like... Get 10,000 credits or something. first goal was, like, basically oh, just ac- a- accept the plot hook. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. That's a good goal, though. I wish I had had the presence of mind to phrase it that way, because that would have been very clever. <laughs> but, yes, that was my first goal. Cool. Then I need to set a new goal. And uh, you can, if you have a goal that you want to change, you can also, you don't have to complete your goal before you abandon it. Just like in life. Did I, uh, <laughs> did I leave or... I will change a... Uh, my long-term goal is going to remain the same, but my short-term goal is going to be to get the refugees off the ship. That seems doable. Um, it seems inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to phrase that as get the refugees off the ship? Safely? Alive? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Because that would be an achievement. Yeah. I know it's not necessarily Grace's... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if that's Grace's goal, actually. Yes. <laughs> my goal, then, will be to sell the obelisk. Okay. My current short-term goal is to make Gulen cry. Ooh, I like it. Nice. Would normally say that's too easy, but I'm like... <laughs> Billy Zane never cried. I think I want my short-term goal to be associated with the, the passengers, the wounded passengers. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to go with the one that, uh, that Gracie passed on. I'd like to get our passengers off the ship safely. Um, safely. I'd say with what kind of percentage are you? That's what about? I'm thinking about. Yeah, I was think. I'd say with like seventy five percent. I mean, I feel like if twenty five percent of them die, we fucked up. I don't know. It's an old ship. I'll go with eighty five percent deposited. Deposited somewhere. Once Anton gets there and starts talking to to Mackie, Mackie, I've been I've been thinking about this, and you know the AI box. That you stole? Familiar with it, yes. No, he did not steal that. He found me and claimed me under all rights of salvage. Yes, that one. That's yes. the one that I'm talking about. Absolutely. Uh, there's there's not another AI box at all. Um, <laughs> I think that maybe they are coming for you, Hopper. They're after you. That's Hopper is still in the cargo bay. Yeah. <laughs> that is an interesting theory, Mr. Baptiste Yoshida. Uh, do you have anything to you know back that, that up? Baptiste is my middle name. 
<laughs> Sorry. Look, I have a hard time with my own name. <laughs> okay, look. Uh, that is an intriguing theory. Do you have anything to support it? Well, not exactly. But here's, here's, here's the deal. Okay, so they came for us. They chased us. And, you know, a couple hundred people in the whole station died because we somehow fucked up bad enough that someone very powerful wants us dead. And I think that that's something we need to address. I think we need to go lay low somewhere. So as you guys have been talking about this, Hildy came in and she's just quietly been listening and thinking. And seems like she's maybe a little bit rattled, but she's still with it. Uh, yes. Excuse me, Mr. Anton. I think you may be onto something, but the question that I have is, is for the grace. To the human eye, it would appear that the drones that we just saw were very similar to the drones that we saw in the previous system. Do you believe this to be the case? No, I do not. I know it to be the case. You are very astute, Dr. Cade. They are the same drones. Uh, yes, thank you. I think that would certainly provide additional evidence to your theory, Mr. Anton. Also, it is imperative that we don't say a fucking word about this to anyone outside of this room. I don't think I needed to say that, but just in case I needed it to say that. It never hurts to go ahead and say it. I will yes. turn off the rebroadcast function. <laughs> I, I, I would Very appreciate funny. Uh, oh dear. Uh, I no. mean, no, no, no. on the one hand, I, I, I don't want to... I think that we need to, in some way, I don't know, have some sort of responsibility, but also maybe not in a legal way right now. That seems yes. counter to our goals, uh, right. which are not dying. I think I. Uh, it's too bad Gulen's not here to be like, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe what you are wanting us to do, Mr. Anton, is to find out more information about who it is who may have followed us and see if there's something we can do to stop them from continuing to follow us and result in more damage. Well, every time that someone has been trying to kill me, who is trying to kill me and why are both very important questions. An ex-girlfriend. And it's because they're your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> that's it's, very it's, that. It's yeah. because that's really you're only, always like this, Anton. It's really only been like three or four times, guys. It's not like It has been seven since you have been a member of the crew of the Grace. He's <laughs> an established pattern. I Some of them weren't exes. <laughs> I'm well, all right. Uh, I have a type. And my type are violent passionate? criminal... <laughs> They're fiery, you know, they got a lot of uh, vibrance, you know, you just kind of... Hey, it's got well, no passion. Myself. I've heard of it. <laughs> when, does, does your jacket have anything to add there, Maggie? I don't know, I'll ask you oh, later. Sure. Uh, show. I okay. think the matter at hand is quite clear. The billionaire Jeff Cho is searching after his valuable possession, which we have absconded with. It is a unique and irreplaceable object, and one which he would expend quite a lot of energy and resources towards recovering. I am, of course, referring to the obelisk, which is hidden in the smuggler's hold. Oh man, I thought you were going to say the jacket. About the, the precious moments. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin season two again. I am, of course, referring to the precious moments figurine. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hildy will kind of make direct eye contact with the rest of Team Meatbag here. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like exaggeratedly nod at this idea. Um, Maggie will mimic you. <laughs> yes. Yes, Gracie, I believe that that is 
most likely the object, it is very important, as you know, I am well aware. In that case, we have some options. One is that we can continue to try to offload the objects. I made contact with a member of the Institute who I believe might help us in this regard, uh, Mr. Umberto Hollis. I am not sure exactly where he is after this catastrophe, but I could attempt to contact him and we could simply rid ourselves of this object. Another I am not thing, sure if we should trust that person. His name sounds suspiciously Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> yes, perhaps it is my accent. Yes, it's possible I have mispronounced his name. In any case, that may be one step in moving us away from this issue. Uh, I believe there may be other things that Mr. Mackey has thought of. All right, clearly we need a plan. I can get us this far. We've got to get these people onto terra firma, and by the time we've gotten them there, we're going to be very low on supplies. That gives us probably at least 12 hours on wherever we land next while we gird the ship up for a voyage. After that, we gotta go somewhere. People ain't gonna be looking for us. Over to you guys. I mean, the galaxy is our oyster, you know? There's lots of places we can hide out. I don't know that that's gonna necessarily be very much trouble to figure out. That is empirically incorrect. The galaxy is a collection of stars and stellar objects. It is not an oyster. Look, you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe. And I don't know that we really ever have to get into this conversation again. <laughs> wow. Very, very sensitive about the oyster of the universe. It's just not the first time this has come up. <laughs> I like the idea that the mythology of Aegea is that the universe is a literal oyster. Well, it's just. A literal know, mythological we've oyster. We've been told the world is your oyster for so long that it just kind of finally stuck. It's on all the napkins. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, also, while I'm thinking about it, while we're in port. I thought it might be a cool idea if we paint this ship black and then add a bunch of little tiny white dots on it. <laughs> and that way no one will ever be able to find us on space. Did you come up with that all on your own? It literally just happened. <laughs> That's remarkable, Anton. Yeah, I mean, because like at a port, you know, nothing there is black so you know it's not like we won't be able to find the ship and then when we're on the when we're in space we're in the ship so you know uh, mr anton I, I suspect that perhaps the events have made your mind wander perhaps this is something we could discuss at a later date i mean i don't you know, you know it's not important at the moment i just thought it could be kind of neat mackie is already over at his like panel <laughs> googling laser for sherwin williams outlets <laughs> oh my god Oh, yeah. Anton, Mackie, you fools, that will never work. Because if we dock at night, we will lose the ship. <laughs> okay, Admiral. Present. Could I set up a uh, sensor sweep, a routine repeating sensor sweep, based on certain parameters that you'll run periodically during our trip to Glacier 4? Absolutely. All right, please keep an eye on the edges of the system for arriving vessels. If any of those vessels... Adopt an intercept course with us. Please let um, myself, Mr. Yoshida, or Dr. K know immediately. As you say, Mackie. All right. Every I'm... 10 milliseconds, I am scanning the system. <laughs> that ought to do it. <laughs> All right, Gracie. I am going to, as you suggested, go and uh, talk with our, our new friends about the subject of potentially compensating us to some degree for our act of selfless heroism. I know it's a real shocker to me that I'm saying this, but 
I think if we ask these people to pay us for a rescue that we necessitated, I think that's pretty fucked up, Mackie. I don't feel great about this. I don't feel great about it either. I, I mean, maybe the, like, Billy Zane-looking dude, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> he should pay us. I don't know. I, we, uh, this one I thing's mean, just left I, a really bad taste in my mouth. As I should clarify that in at this time... Like 12% of humans look something like this. Maybe like Genghis Khan is way. And 12% of humans are assholes. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean. Only 12. That is a conservative. <laughs> At <laughs> least 12. In the future. Conservative. <laughs> I don't feel great about it either, Anton, but. Do not worry. I am untroubled by feelings of guilt, so I will build them for you. Mr. Anton, I, I am also troubled by these events. However, one thing I would say is that. It does seem that, though I have not been on this vessel long, I have observed the margin is very close to keep the ship in the air, no? Uh, I mean, yeah, we we run on a pretty shoestring budget here. Um, and with so many additional people, perhaps it is enough simply to try to replenish what will be lost um, in, in this voyage to place it for and no more. And that's very... The Admiral Grace will be able to continue running, and we will not profit off of these events. Well, um, how about we get Mr. Gulen to uh, talk to some of his lawyer buddies for us and see if we can get some sort of... I'll take a by a knock on the wall. Oh. You glance up, and you see um, Hannah Shank there, the PMC. She's doing that thing where, you know, you walk into a room and the door's open. <laughs> <laughs> so... Gulen is trying to order my men to confiscate the uh, communications devices of the refugees. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, I thought I would. Uh, yeah, we can tell you guys about that. Uh, thank we'll you make, for make that. Make sure that doesn't happen. I guess is probably a good idea. Uh, yeah, that's yes. not gonna work. Ms. Shank, what is the nature of your contractual relationship with Mr. Gulen? Um, I have none. Have you considered a career in interstellar transport? Well, I, um, I'm a mercenary, so I've considered uh, a career, and I don't give a shit what I'm doing. Mr. Baptiste Yoshida, you are demoted to Junior Morality and Ethics Officer. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. All right. So should I go shoot that Gulen guy? Uh, no, please do not shoot this Mr. Gulen. However... Well, not so fast. I'm sorry, are you the morality officer? <laughs> uh, yes. See, the way that it works is that the Admiral Grace gives the rank of senior... But above senior, of course, there is vice president, and then there is senior vice president, and then there is president, and then senior president, and so on and so forth, until you reach, as far as I have been able to tell, uh, Mr. Mackey here. All hail, Mackey the Insatiable, first of his name. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, yes. Very nice. (laughs) But yes, I believe the first thing we must establish is that Mr. Gulin gives no orders here. I think if you just went up and just, like, headbutted him, and, you know, kind of like you know, established dominance, like, prison style, really hard and fast is probably, that's, I, that's what I would do. I can do that. I don't know. I don't have any qualms about that. <laughs> While Dr. Cade's fallible organic brain has lost some track of the, of the ins and outs of the hierarchy of the ship, she has the general gist, which is, that man cannot tell anyone to do anything without our leave. Mackie straightens his flight suit, buttons the top button, tries to, like, smooth his hair down. And says, all right, uh, I am going to go talk with our new friend. And uh, I am going to at least figure out what the hell it is that he thinks he's doing. But yeah, for the present, 
No orders from anybody not in this room. Please relay that to your uh, to your people. Thank you, Miss Shank. And additionally, I believe the Admiral Grace has indicated that we may have a place for you. And if that is the case, I believe you are most likely to be of use, seeing to the most harmed members of our new passengers. I would like to know what is going on in the Med Bay, and I would like to know how many are additionally harmed. I sent them basically to relay all of the people that needed to go to the Med Bay right. and everything. And, like, you guys can kind of start to see that the sort of bluster and take charge attitude that Hildy usually has is very much deflated, and she's very pensive. Speaking of the Med Bay, like, Grace would yeah, be aware of the and Hopper would be in the, in the hangar. So he would be aware of this attempt by Gulen to try and confiscate. Gulen has uh, is walking around the crowd, kind of. Um, a lot of people are kind of huddled, sitting together. There's some uh, quiet weeping. You know, it's a refugee situation. Gulen is walking around and he's and he's de- um, demanding that people hand over their data pads, and a lot of people are just doing it. He's seeming to channel his authority as a representative of Apogee. Hopper is moving. Between people, like, administering to them, giving preventative vaccines and, you know, like, bioscanning. And all kinds of legitimate yes. medical stuff. <laughs> well, it's, and, it, and, and he's actually operating on, like, this is his original program, sort of reverting yeah. to an automatic thing. While Grace's attention is elsewhere, he's basically okay. become a little more like a standard med bot would be. Okay. Moving from cluster to cluster and drifting through the people. He gets up to one group and, and uh, finds somebody who's especially injured. Please come with me. There is a med bay free which can attend to the nature of your current injuries. Leads them off. Uh, give me one second, because this is a good opportunity for us to roll up a random NPC together. Ooh, okay. Yay. All right. First of all, uh, I went ahead and rolled a few basic details up. His name is Ping Yatin, and somebody roll a D4. We'll go around the table. Why don't we have... Uh, Colin, you start. Okay. Four. That is a four. I like how my dice are pretty good when they don't actually help me do anything. <laughs> Ain't that always the way? All right, he has four advanced cancerous tumors. <laughs> <laughs> he is middle-aged. Next up, it's full of D6. Uh, Colin. All right. This is for his background. That is a five. He is a minority or foreigner. <laughs> All right. Uh, and now roll a D4. Colin also. Two. And a common laborer. Let's skip over to Chris and roll me a D8. Okay. For their role in society. All right. Five. He's a programmer. Give me a D20, Kristen. A D20. Okay. A 20. His most obvious character trait is shame. Oh, oh no. no. And now, Jeff, if you'll do a D12 and a D10. All right. D12. Five. Okay. Going around. D10. Two. Roll a D10 again. Seven. His greatest desire is that he wants revenge against someone. Oh, <laughs> and his biggest current problem is that a loved one is trapped in a job or a bad life situation. So let's uh, cut back to you with Mr. Ping Yating, the middle-aged man with the... What kind of injury are we giving him? He has suffered a compound fracture when he fell, and it's exacerbated by the fact that he caught some of the edge of one of the uh, sand thrower blasts. Okay. Oh, man. Rough. So he was he was not among the uh, most injured? Right, he was still mobile and not completely shredded. 
but he's showing some signs of shock. He's very uh, susceptible to your direction. Mr. Ding, the extent of your injuries, while not immediately fatal, exceed the capabilities of this unit alone. Please follow me to the med bay. He nods and uh, follows. All right, and the uh, hopper leads him out of the cargo, and the door closes behind them. Nice. Back to you guys up at Ops. You just told Hillary Shank. <laughs> you just told her that you wanted her to come down with you guys. To, I asked yeah. her about the folks that they took to the med bay. She just kind of shakes her head at you. She's like, they're in bad shape. Mm. I don't uh, foresee I have any. Although I don't know how sophisticated your med bay is. I guess we'll find out. Unfortunately, I have not been with the crew long enough to know our full capabilities, but thank you for the information. It is an extended med bay, quite above the capabilities of an average facility such as you would normally find on a craft of this size. Thank you, Admiral Gracie, but is it a sophisticated enough unit to take care of the severe damage that we saw that resulted from this conflict that we seem to have something to do with? In many cases, yes. Well, I certainly hope that's the case. She closes down and she, like, storms out of the room. Hannah watches you go and uh, looks back at Grace's module you were talking to and says, what did she mean about being responsible? I do not know. Questions of moral culpability are outside of the scope of my responsibilities. Did did we just promote her to those responsibilities? (laughs) Yes, you are senior morality and ethics officer. I haven't had my fee paid yet. (laughs) Yes, we pay after the first duty period. (laughs) After the first moral conundrum. (laughs) Please see the senior HR officer to sort out your direct deposit. And who is that? I'm sorry, I am needed elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Mackie and Anton, you guys were headed back down to the hold? Yeah, what do we see on the way? Any signs of chaos breaking out or... No, no chaos. A lot of people are have moved out of the hold and into like kind of the corridors, okay. uh, getting some space. Some people are laying down. Some people are walking around trying to get better reception on their devices. Gotcha. Hopper walks by with a middle-aged guy just kind of following him. Anton, was it just me or did that guy seem ashamed or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he uh, had an aura of revenge about him. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I am as well. We haven't seen the last of that guy, I'll tell you what. Uh, and I guess on the trek back to the hold, when he sees people gathered, he's like, All right, everyone, just want to let you know that we are on track. We are on schedule. Do yourself to make yourself... Do yourself. <laughs> do yourself to make yourself. <laughs> you got to do yourself. <laughs> like, like, synergy. Uh, do, listen to the man. Do it yourself. To make, to make yourself. yourself. That's going to be on the new corporate. <laughs> uh, do your best to make yourselves comfortable. And if you need anything, let uh, myself or one of the crew know. Thank you much. And he's like, he gets down to the hold on. I guess Gu Lin is down there with just this massive stack of data slabs, like Neil Hamburger with his drinks. <laughs> you know, yeah. just try, try to like keep them all in his two arms. He's standing at the uh, ship's armory door, arguing with the computer. Access denied. Well, I need somewhere to put these confiscated data pads. What, uh. Access to the armory is denied. What are you doing with all those data pads, buddy? Well, um. We don't want people uh, sending scurrilous rumors out uh, about what happened at Apogee Station. I think let the rescue run its course and, uh, you know, it was a tragedy. Well, don't you think that it might be important for these people to be able to contact their families and let them know that they are okay? Not really. No, that's not important to you? 
No, oh, I mean, wow. that's, what are they going to do? Nobody's going to be any help. They're only going to do harm. This man is making a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, wow. I think that the thing I'm going to do first is we, I am we don't know. politely ask you to return We don't know people. who attacked the station. It could be an agent uh, among us. There could be somebody in communication with an enemy. I just think that the best thing for you to do right now is to return those people's property. Well, I would like to put it in the ship's locker. You know, we can return it at the end of the, the, end of the trip. Okay, what, how, how do you feel about this, this situation? I think it smells, Mr. Goulin, and also, it seems pretty ineffective. You know, you're not going to get all of these people's data pads. Well, I was hoping to talk to you about the ones who have refused. We're not going to assist you in that matter, I can tell you that 100%. We are not uh, part of your corporate structure, your corporate hierarchy, and we're not interested in being liable for any uh, pain and suffering caused to these people, any further pain and suffering caused to these people as a result of an inability to communicate with a friend's family and loved ones. We're not going to help you. And since you can't close the barn door all the way, may as well return those pads. Give me a talk check. That will be a seven... Uh, talk charisma, mm-hmm. uh, that would be an eight. Okay. He looks thoughtful for a moment and uh, sizes you up. You take jobs, yes? We take some jobs. We are not as uh, indiscriminate as you might think. What are you suggesting? Well, I'd like for you to transport these refugees to Glazer 4 for me um, under my leadership. Well, no, no, I mean that is going to work. Yeah, we're uh, kind of already doing that. The only, I think that we have objections to the term leadership. If you want to hire us, you have the power to make suggestions that we will take under advisement. If I hire you, will you take under advisement that these people should not be able to communicate with the outside until they've been debriefed by Apogee personnel? I mean, we will register anyone... that you have given us that advice. Anyone in the system with a scanner could have seen what happened to Apogee. I don't understand how you would even bottle this up. Like, what secret is there to be kept? You give me a talk check. Roll As six, I have no talks. That's a five. Mm-hmm. Mackie, uh, his aiding, because you're supposed to describe how you do it, <laughs> is he yeah. holds his hands out to Anton and says, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, okay. Holy shit. Exact same roll. A seven on the die, plus one for my talk skill, plus one for charisma. Oh, wait, no, that's a nine. Okay, dope, nine. Did you get a nine last time? No, I got an eight last time. I don't... I just thought maybe you missed one of the pluses last time. I don't think I... Maybe I did, actually. But too late now. (laughs) (laughs) We play this game... In public, because we are so very good at it. We want people to marvel at our skill. We shall be the shining beacon set upon the hill as stars without number. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Well, I really like listening to this podcast because now I, I totally understand all the rules because they do such a great job explaining them. They do a lot of intricate, in-depth rule checks, too. It's not just a bunch of grab-ass role-playing. <laughs> I really think they're just super consistent. <laughs> I really like the robot best. <laughs> they think that, that Anson's a real cool guy. Yeah, he seems kind of sexy. Like an anime character. <laughs> I've consulted the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dr. <laughs> 
Anton, you son of a bitch. Why <laughs> um, are you always like this? <laughs> you get the sense that he has his reasons and he's not discussing them. He surrenders the uh, data pads to you, goes back off into the crowd to uh, boss some other people around. I was going to threaten him. <laughs> I, mean, I have time. studied how Hildy got on your ship for free, <laughs> and I will be doing the same thing. <laughs> I would like you to know. And, and I will sue you for misandry if, <laughs> if I'm not treated oh. equally. When he gets mad, he looks a little like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yes! Ben Shapiro. Okay, okay. So, say hypothetically, you've already hired me on your crew, and then <laughs> hypothetically, after that, then you, then you, it is only then that you find out that I am a male. And uh, and then you choose to retroactively fire me uh, because of my gender. So uh, then clearly you would be in, in uh, violation of several labor laws. Wouldn't you say that in that situation? I'm really I'm really disturbed. Right. <laughs> it's very accurate. Think of a, a, a superficially smart but deeply dumb thing to say, and then say it fast and high pitched, and you've got a bench of your own. All right. Man, I wish. But Hildy wasn't upset right now. She totally would love to score off this dumbass. I mean, he's still here. When you stormed off, well, I guess Grace actually wouldn't wouldn't have much insight as to whether it would be a wise time to uh, talk to Hildy or not. Yeah, I mean, I would say go for it. So when Hildy stormed off, she is angrily heading towards her quarters. Okay, so Grace's voice will follow her along. Miss Cave, you seem upset that the medbay is sufficient to heal the... Some of the refugees. We can cease medical treatment immediately, if you so choose. No, Gracie, I don't think you are understanding what it is that I am bothered by. I understand that I seem to be very in control most of the time, and indeed most of the time, that is correct. However, what I have seen here today is nothing like I have ever seen before. I will rejoin the crew momentarily, but for the moment I must ask that you please take care of those who are injured and, and leave me alone. I will take care of the injured. And leave you alone. She sent. She storms into her quarters and then dramatically storms out. <laughs> and she points her finger down the hall, and like eleven refugees leave her quarters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he definitely leaves her quarters locked. <laughs> oh well, yeah, when you storm back into your quarters, the door doesn't close. Grace has left you alone. Oh, no. <laughs> this is like you know, corpo yuppie refugees too so I'm just yeah. imagining they're all just like very quaffed and, and foppish and they've got little <laughs> tiny lap dogs and they go dear we've become refugees <laughs> no 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 they're all in, they're like the quality of food is simply insufficient meanwhile at that's least that's... half of the refugees are like people who are working at mall kiosks oh yeah, yeah. those guys are cool yeah they're just like man i tell you what i'm ready to eat the rich they said there wasn't enough food on this boat i am down you know if the soft pretzel guy wanted to stick around as a permanent crew fixture seconded (laughs) but no so for real hildy does stomp into her quarters and close the door as forcefully as possible and she does as much as it is possible to do so, secure her door so that other people can't bother her. She shuts off any communications into her room. I imagine that Grace can override that at any time that she wants, but it at least gives Hildy feeling that she is alone and can experience her emotions where other people don't have to see how mm-hmm. she experiences her emotions. She doesn't really make any noise. She doesn't really shout. 
She paces back and forth for a little bit and balls her fists up and her face is very red and it's someone watching maybe would think that even as alone as she could possibly make herself, she still feels uncomfortable with intense emotion and doesn't quite know exactly how to process both what she's seen that day and also the, the feeling that she has of just this internal rage and anger at the situation. She just does not know what to do with it. And after about 15 or 20 minutes of this kind of impotent rage, she sits down and pulls out from her meager belongings a small little folio. And it's just a very, you know, 12 inches square, about a foot square. Just a very simple, it's an actual folder that when she opens it up does appear to be a a book like a photo album really and this would be one of those things that it would probably be strange for someone like her to carry around because it's actual physical pictures of things and documents and, and whatnot and she opens it up and on the inside of the cover in embossed letters there is a greek passage that is the motto of the uh, Reliquary Institute, which is a stronger root, a higher branch. And then underneath that in Latin is another phrase, ab antiquo dice omnes ab eterno ad astra omnes. And this she knows because she has seen these words for most of her life without even thinking about the ancient Latin and the the probability that this is very bastardized Latin because it's thousands of years from its source. Mm -hmm. She knows these words to mean from the ancient learn all, from the eternal to the stars. And she kind of traces those embossed letters for a while and takes some deep breaths. And then she starts looking through this album. And if someone were looking over her shoulder, what they would see would be a series of group photos of about 20 girls and a middle-aged woman on one side and a middle-aged man on the other side. And every one of these group photos is is posed exactly the same way. Every one of the girls is in the same place in, in each different row. They start out at about five years old, a bunch of little girls all smiling, and they look pretty similar, a couple different hair colors, slightly different heights and, and as the, the photos age, as, as you see these girls age, you see while they continue to have some variations, they all have the same face. They all have the same face that Hildy has. There are even a few girls who look very similar to Hildy. She must be in this picture. It's hard to tell exactly which one she must be. They're taken at various places. One of them in particular is at the Empress Helene, clearly mm-hmm. at the uh, the visitor center for the Empress Helene. All of the girls are dressed up in what is thought to be period garb. Yep, just a school trip to Colonial Williamsburg. Yep, just your school, your average school trip to Colonial Williamsburg. If it's anything like the actual Colonial Williamsburg, there's the weaponsmith. Oh yeah, on the central deck. <laughs> And he's, like, hammering a a laser gun with a big hammer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) The photos kind of end, and there are a few documents that she looks at, and she goes through this book very slowly, one page by one page, looking at each image. It takes her about 30 minutes to get through the whole thing, and by the time she reaches the end, the same words that are embossed on the front cover are also embossed inside on the back cover, and 
She kind of traces those for a while, closes the book, takes a deep breath, takes another, and then very calmly she stows this photo album. She brings comms back up and unlocks her door. And she says, Mr. Mackey, are you available? I assume that I am, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, please forgive my absence. I believe we discussed an issue with this Mr... I'm sorry, I I'm have sorry. trouble remember his name. I, I only met him the once. This Mr. Gunin, and I wanted to check in and see if that had been resolved. I believe that it has been resolved to the satisfaction of everyone who is at all important. The ah, camera yes. is so, on Mackie right now. Like, you can see that Gulen has been replaced now by uh, Will Ferrell. He's <laughs> just in the crowd going, Gulen! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yes. By your tone, I take it to mean that the negotiations with this individual were not perhaps ideal. If you would like my assistance with my own personal touch, I am now available and at your disposal. Oh, I think it's more or less been resolved, but uh, I'll keep my fingers on the beating pulse of this situation, and uh, should your uh, peculiar approach be merited, I will be contacting you here. Speaking of fingers on beating pulses, how's it going there, Hopper? (laughs) (laughs) Hopper has returned back to the uh, cargo bay, cruising through. He finds somebody else who who had uh, tripped and fallen and shattered an ankle during the fleeing of of the station. I have recently been instructed to take care of the wounded. I am redirecting my attentions that way. Please come with me to the medical bay, where we may better see to your injuries. Right. What do we need to do with the the med bay for checking on these uh, uh, people? All right, so it is an extended med bay. The standard med bay can only treat one person at a time. An extended med bay allows to for the entire maximum crew at once, including critically wounded people. Okay. But I would assume that that follows the normal stars without number unforgiving <laughs> healing rules, which so is... Essentially, these people are going to be stable, but they won't be really in any better condition by the time they arrive. They're, they're stable. They're, they're, they're not getting worse. Like They will heal on their own now that they've seen treatment. They'll regain a couple of hit points. And actually, you, Anton, having sustained damage in the fight on the station, like, would have to have taken a turn as yeah. well. He's walking off. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you find some pre-tech, you know, nanobots that you can smear on the wound or whatever. The healing takes a long time, even with treatment. Tell you what, let's say there are six people in the yep. day, right? Yep. You want a heal check for each one? No, I want one heal check. Okay. And uh, I will set the difficulty at... For every point over four, you you uh, save one of them. Okay. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds yeah, good to me. Sure. I do have the healing focus, healer focus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll three d6, take the highest two. Three of them survive. That's a seven. All right, fifty percent. They're all in in uh, critical condition. They're, nobody's gone yet. All right, uh, Cullen, what is Anton doing? Yeah, I mean the thing with that. Gulen guys resolved. So I guess he's finally just going to go back to his quarters and take a rest. Probably got some shrapnel in him, so maybe having a bit of a lie down is not a bad idea. Okay. You return to your quarters and uh, close the door. Um, you sit down on your bunk. You take in a breath, and uh, you realize that your bunk is wet. But when you uh, examine it more closely, you realize that, no, you're wet. <laughs> you um, still have blood on you. 
you are a mess. Your, your, your pain begins to come back to you. The adrenaline had kind of driven it away, but you're in pretty bad shape. Also, your drugs are weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was on the, the site. I mean, you're not in danger of any, anything, but you just are suddenly aware of how bad your situation was, how close you came to being uh, exploded. So do you want to talk a little bit about maybe what Anton's thinking you're going through? Yeah, so Anton uh, just kind of spaces out, you know, he's, he's staring off into space, and he's struck by a memory. The sky around him is fire. It's like this every time, Anton reminds himself. He finds comfort in the cold lines of hard ceramic and carbon fiber labeled Tamashiro Heavy Industries that lies across his lap. Brief flashes of screaming tracer rounds fly past the porthole at imperceptible velocities. The chassis surrounding him rattles with impacts. Ezra Sabine is gone. Pinhole-sized punctures in the hole under his name tag are all that are left. Thank God we breached atmosphere, Anton thinks, as his vac suit adjusts to the new pressure. Why the fuck am I here? Why the fuck am I here? The mantra replays in his head, same as every other time he's on a drop. The landing thrusters briefly pin him against his harness as the craft crests to an aggressive and graceful landing on the shore of another world, nameless to him. The landing doors open, and he charges out the remainder of his team, wet up to the knees in the milky red slush of... water? Water analog for this place. Why is it red? Are there iron deposits in the sand here? Three slugs pierce his abdomen. Blood and bone float beside him, gradually becoming indistinguishable from the slurry as he loses consciousness. He stares up through the artificial atmosphere, from the artificial beach, upon another artificial world, nameless and insignificant. Two years later, he finds himself alone at a bar on the trading station Acteon. Somewhere along the way, he was discharged. His wounds were mostly forgotten, but he never felt quite the same on the drop. Eventually, he left his ship on station and never came back. A man approaches him through the nicotine-rich vapor hanging in dense clouds, head level in the cramped bar. He's older, old enough to be Anton's father if he thought about that kind of thing. He has a kind face, though, and an earnest expression as he sits in the next stool and says, Hey, kid. Settle a bet for me. Have you ever heard of the Susquehanna Shuffle? So you guys have been in transit for um, most of the day at this point. Things have calmed down. The mercenaries have uh, got everything well in hand down in the cargo hold. Gulen has resigned himself, apparently, to uh, milling around, eating uh, some of uh, Anton's Corn dogs. Oh, man. Um, I, I, am I, can I, can I, can I, you're in your room reminiscing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have, pleasantly thinking back on brighter days. <laughs> um, Hopper looks over and says, Wow, he brought a horn dog that looks just like one of Anton's. <laughs> Mackie, what are, what are you up to? This has been, you've been on the ship now for uh, 10 hours or something. He parks his keister up in ops. Every now and again, he does like a little patrol of the ship just to see if anybody's in any kind of need that he can help with. While he's up in the ops, he is reviewing the sensor data that he gets from the Admiral, Mm -hmm. and he is, you know, working up sort of a damage report on everything that befell the ship in the recent firefight. Okay. All right. There is a uh, vessel on an intercept course. It's a large Corvette. It's a real midnight crisis ship. (laughs) It's not hiding or anything. It's very out in the open. It is broadcasting uh, hails to ships in the area. It is organizing vessels in the region to help with the emergency at Apogee Station. 
Okay. Uh, but it is not an Apogee ship. It is the LS Albatross. That's a good omen. It is a, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Logsley Day ship. You can give me a no check on that. I'm going to give you a no check on that, by gum. That will be uh, no wisdom or no intelligence? Intelligence. Okay, then that is a nine. Nice. You know that they are a major corporate rival of Apogee Station. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry of Apogee uh, Aeronautics. Mm. Um, okay. They are also in the defense business. Okay. Uh, and so when you say that they're on an intercept course, it just means that they're sort of heading into the general peloton of ships that we're a part of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And we ping them and see if they could take our UGs aboard so that we can scoot the fuck out of here. Quick. They definitely have the space. I mean, that, that seems worthwhile. It's worth a shot. And also, it would make Gulan real fucking mad. <laughs> yes. And I'm into it. Yes. This other company. Is this a faction? I have not made them as a faction yet. Okay. Who I keep track of as a faction mm-hmm. or not depends on what you guys get up to. There's one other piece of data that he will want a heel review before uh, <laughs> you move on to whoever's next. Um, what does the local Glacier system news feeds have to say about what happened at Apogee? You can find out if you choose a news network to subscribe to for 30 credits a month. Hmm. Ah. Do they not have a free trial? Really? Not even if we give them our email address? No, usually people who come here and have the money to spend on entertainment, like, get the fuck out pretty quick. So. Oh. What about, like, a free 30-minute trial? No. <laughs> Damn, okay. Well, shit. You can hack it. I mean, give Hildy the word it. and she'll try. Okay. Mackie will try that. He has program. Yeah, He'll go do for a it. Program check. Right. You're you're straining your eyes at a blurry screen. You're like, I think I see a nipple. He fails <laughs> badly. Okay. It was so, not a nipple. Yeah. All right. He's uh, watching an old episode of the Huntley and Brinkley report that um, he taped off of Echo TV like a month ago. <laughs> he gets on the comms. Shh, Doctor Cade. Yes, Mister Mackie. Are you awake? Uh, yes, I am. There's trouble in the sewers. <laughs> There's uh. There's trouble in the shoeways. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes? While you're talking to Dr. K, like, Grace sees what you're trying to do, sees that it, you think it didn't work, and it makes you unhappy, so she pays 30 credits and subscribes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, never mind. I did it! <laughs> so, Glazer 4 is not a unified state. The larger corporations are all sovereign there, so they have their own territories, which they operate as governments. Okay. It's up to you what corporation you want to hear from. I can give you a list, or you can choose one of them that you've already come across. Uh, let's hear from uh, Lachine. Was that the one that mm-hmm. just dropped a Corvette into the system? Uh, yeah. Let's see what what do they have to say on the subject. They are broadcasting footage taken from like across the solar system, basically. They don't have any footage from the scene, but they are showing it on repeat like it's uh, the Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. There are raving, angry, talking heads, and then there are also channels for the, um, you know, people who humor themselves that they're in the NPR camp. Mm. Gotcha. And uh, is anybody offering any speculation on who was behind the attack? Um, or are they even calling it an attack yet? They're mentioning the possibility that there was an attack, but they are more basically pointing out Apogee's incompetence dealing with the tragedy. And they are shooting down any accusations that uh, they would ever do anything to provoke their corporate rival. All right, so Mackie opens the glove box, 
holds out one of several dozen futuristic Slim Jim analogs, <laughs> snaps into it, mm-hmm. and continues watching the news. That's mm-hmm. what he's doing. Just when you snap into the Slim Jim, <laughs> <laughs> your robe says, Tedoro. <laughs> one thing to keep in mind is that I think we do know the company that Mr. Cho is associated with, so you mm-hmm. might try to keep an ear out. Echo Corporation, there we yeah. go. Their corporate offices are here. In retrospect, not the best system to flee to to escape Jeff Cho. We're fleeing the people at the raceway. Jeff Cho is not in evidence. That dude is in the wind. Uh, Dr. Kate, if you're still there, there's a uh, ship that just entered the system. I'm sending you the information down to your, to your data pad. Might be worth using your charms on them. See if you can't get them to assist in this refugee situation because uh, on paper, that's what they're doing here. And he sends you all the information he's got on the albatross. Absolutely, Mr. Mackey. I will look into this immediately. Wow, what an adventure. This has been Astronomica. And uh, I'd like for you guys to all come check us out at our website at www.astronomicapodcast.com. There you'll find a list of all of our social network accounts and probably logins and passwords if you want to get on there and talk shit. Rate and review on Apple Podcast. Check us out at r slash Podcast on Reddit. And I guess that's it. Thanks for listening.